Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. It's another Q&A edition of Optimal Health Daily, episode 1078, and I'm Dr. Neil Malik. Hey there, happy Friday, and welcome to another Q&A edition of Optimal Health Daily, where I answer your health questions related to fitness, diet and nutrition, and lots more. You send in the questions, and I answer them for you. Now, if you want to send me a question, just come by oldpodcast.com slash ask. Or you can call in your question by dialing 61 I love ohd And I'm now taking questions by email. You can send one in to health at oldpodcast.com. Let's hear today's question as we optimize your life. Ugla writes, what is the best way of eating to reduce IBS symptoms based on my intolerances? I have an egg and yeast intolerance and am borderline with wheat. I had a food intolerance blood test done a few months ago. I also don't eat meat. I still eat seafood and fish though. So that leaves me with much less variety to choose from. So. All in all, you could say I'm a pescatarian who doesn't eat meat, eggs, wheat, yeast products, and I avoid milk as well. Other than cheese, it's too good. Or maybe I'm almost a vegan who still eats fish? It's all a little complicated in my head. Hi, Ugla. Thank you so much for emailing me your question. We can get so creative with our eating habits and designing our meal plans that some days it may seem like we're vegan. And on other days, like Saturdays and Sundays, It's like Thanksgiving Day all over again. And this is true for even the most restrictive of dieters. Now, unfortunately, blood tests for food intolerances aren't always accurate. You mentioned you had blood tests done to test for this. Probably the most accurate measure to test food intolerances is to avoid those foods you suspect are causing your symptoms and then do that for at least a month. Now, if these are true food allergies, not intolerances, but allergies, and you're at risk of experiencing anaphylaxis, don't do any of what I'm about to recommend. Instead, discuss how best to proceed with your doctor. But if these are just food intolerances, meaning you start experiencing some discomfort after consuming these foods, but there's no risk of anaphylaxis, then you can slowly reintroduce these foods one by one back into your diet. You would start by consuming a small amount of the suspected food. Write down the date you ate or drank that food, the time, and monitor yourself to see if any symptoms return. If the symptoms don't return after a couple of days, you can try consuming a slightly larger portion of that same food. Again, keep detailed food logs and see if any symptoms return. If nothing happens after a couple of days, that food is probably not the source of your intolerance. 
you would then repeat this process with another item you suspect causes you discomfort. So is there an optimal diet for IBS? Well, let me first explain what IBS is. IBS stands for Irritable Bowel Syndrome. Now, symptoms of IBS can range from excessive gas, bloating, cramping, and periods of diarrhea or constipation. Now, I should mention that even though the symptoms sound familiar, IBS is different from other gastrointestinal diseases like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Now, we're learning that there are lots of things that can help with IBS, many of which are not even diet-related, like managing stress, exercising regularly, getting enough sleep, and of course, diet does play a role. Now, the diet I recommend you discuss with your doctor is something called the low FODMAP diet. This is a restrictive diet, so there are foods you will need to avoid, but it has been shown to be very helpful for most that suffer from IBS. And luckily, the diet can be followed in the short term and may not require you to follow this eating pattern for life. Plus, there are other IBS therapies. So if this doesn't work, there are other options you can discuss with your doctor. I recommended the low FODMAP diet to many folks, and they often experience relief in just a few days. The research seems to support this as well. So what does low FODMAP mean anyway? I remember when I first heard the name, I was like, you mean low food map, right? We're talking about a map of foods you can eat. Nope. FODMAP is an abbreviation for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. Now, basically, these are fancy names for different types of sugars found in foods. For those with IBS, these sugars need to be reduced or completely avoided. This is because they are fermentable by the bacteria in the gut. For those that don't suffer from IBS, these sugars don't cause any problems. But for those that suffer from IBS, it can lead to all those uncomfortable symptoms like gas, bloating, abdominal pain, and diarrhea. So by avoiding foods that contain these fancy-sounding sugars, oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols, you may start to feel better. So the next logical question is, where do I find foods that are low FODMAP? This is where it gets a little tricky. Because these sugars are common in many foods, the list of foods to avoid is kinda long. I'll list some of the foods to avoid here, but I encourage you to download a list of low and high FODMAP foods to keep with you at all times. A great resource can be found on Monash University's website. Just type Monash low FODMAP in a search engine and it will pop up right away. Then click the high and low FODMAP foods link. But again, here are some general recommendations. Fruit. When it comes to fruit, try and avoid stone fruit. These are fruits that contain a pit like plums, peaches, nectarines, cherries, and mangoes. Apples are a no-go as well. Vegetables. Onions, leeks, mushrooms, and cauliflower should be avoided. But most importantly, avoid beans. Next, grains. Try and avoid anything with wheat in it, which it sounds like you're already doing ugla. So you may need to purchase gluten-free for the time being because that'll be a safe way to avoid wheat. Dairy. Foods that are high in lactose will typically cause symptoms to get worse. So it's best to avoid milk, ice cream, and soft cheeses. Yogurt could trigger symptoms too. So if you really wanna be careful, avoid yogurt. But there are some folks that do just fine after consuming a small amount of yogurt. Next, meat. Try and avoid processed meat because sometimes 
one of the FODMAPs gets added during processing. Also, some marinated meats can cause problems. Again, this is because the marinade itself may contain one of those sugars that can trigger symptoms. Nuts and seeds are usually safe, but pistachios and cashews tend to irritate. And lastly, sugars. High fructose corn syrup, honey, and sugar alcohols tend to make symptoms worse. So, the trick is to try and avoid these foods for two up to six weeks and see if your symptoms improve. If they do, fantastic. Along with guidance from your doctor, you can then consider reintroducing some foods to see if any symptoms return. With time, you will have a much better idea of how your body responds to these foods. And be sure to keep good food records so that you can really pinpoint which foods are more troublesome than others. I wish you all the best, Agla, as you begin your wellness journey. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash health. Just go to indeed.com slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And again, thank you so much for the question. You'll be entered into a very small raffle every month to win a book. And if you want to be in the raffle, send me a question. You can now email me one to health at oldpodcast.com. Or if you want your voice heard on the show, come by oldpodcast.com slash ask to ask an audio question. You can record right from your computer's microphone or you can call in your question using the number 61ILOVEOHD. All right, that'll do it for another Q&A edition of Optimal Health Daily. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you in advance for sending me your questions and have a great start to your weekend. I'll see you back here tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.